Welcome to Manny Talks. My name is Manny De La Cruz, and I am thrilled that you have taken some time out of your day to listen to this conversation. I am definitely looking forward to you providing your feedback. If you're listening on the iTunes podcast app, look, you have the power to leave your comments in the form of actual written comments. And this way, folks that are trying to find this information or who happen to stumble across this podcast can read firsthand what you think about this podcast. If you're listening in some other platform, you can always either send me a voice message through the uh, anchor link that's provided as part of the show notes, or look, I promote this uh, podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, you name it, it's out there, Twitter. And so if you happen to have stumbled across this podcast because of one of those posts, do me a huge favor, go back to that posting and leave your comments. Same thing, look, this is done out of a desire to help folks like yourself navigate your STEM careers, whether it's as a student or whether a co-op intern or even as a young professional. And even if you stumbled upon this as a business or a computer science major, look, a lot of this information pertains to you as well. And I would be more than thrilled to, uh, to help you out with any questions and concerns that you might have. These conversations, when folks hear about this project and they decide to either provide their stories in, in, uh, and be a guest on the show, they do it because they also want to help you. So look, again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for pressing play. And I hope that you get as much out of this conversation as I got out of making it. Thank you. It is time for this week's shout outs. If you want to be featured as a shout out on this show, make sure you post something interesting. Follow Manny Talks on Instagram. I'll go ahead and look through my posts. Also follow me on LinkedIn and whatever catches my attention. That's what we'll give a shout out to. Now for today's shout outs. Look, today's shout-outs go out to none other than everybody who was involved in RLDC 5. Region 5 2020 just got back from uh, the trip in Baton Rouge. I had a wonderful time uh, for my first RLDC, and I definitely look forward to continuing to work within this region. A huge shout-out to all the award winners from professionals to students, and a special thanks to the SHIP LSU chapter for putting together such an awesome event and doing it uh, in a in a place where uh, my understanding is typically you wouldn't have our LDC, right? So this was all the way in the state of Louisiana versus where it typically uh, was, which was in Texas. So a big thank you to all the chapters that came over from the great state of Texas to support LSU in their hometown as part of this region. We had students from Alabama, from Arkansas, from Oklahoma, Texas, and it was just great to see everybody come together to continue to develop themselves. Also, a big thank you to all the sponsors that uh, that uh, made it possible financially, and all of the volunteers, all of the speakers, the staff at the Crown Plaza Baton Rouge. Again, just an awesome, amazing uh, 
program, an amazing event, and I hope that everybody got home safely, and I cannot wait till we do this again. So big shout-outs again to everyone who came and was involved in RLDC Region 5 2020. Hey, Juan, I want to thank you for, uh, of course, making yourself available today. I know you're all the way in the beautiful state of California, and uh, and you're you're probably just getting out of work and, and, and something like that. So uh, I appreciate you, you know, making the time to spend your evening with me instead of getting some probably some good dinner or something. Uh, how are you doing, man? Hey, Manny, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak on your podcast and i'm looking forward i can always make time for yourself and being able to help out the stem community in any way possible that's cool man and look juan so so juan for for listeners juan somebody that i know through through mayas and then now through ship and and he's got a great story and and of course that's why when i when i think about this project and the reason that i'm doing it is just to get you know, uh, great examples of underrepresented minorities that are making it in STEM. So, uh, Juan, of course, when I think about what you've done and I think about, you know, the time the time that I've known you through Mayas, you're like a perfect fit for this. So I'm pretty excited for you to, uh, for us to explore your story. So let's start very basic. I always do this, Juan. I think it's very important that people kind of hear uh, how we grew up and what our experience is like. So why don't you start telling me who uh, Juan is, where he comes from, family, etc. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, my name is Juan Baena. I'm a current mechanical engineer at Raytheon, Space and Airborne Systems in El Segundo, California. Um, a, little bit, a little bit about me, I was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona, and I was always into mathematics. I was really into math. I, I did good. And for me, I, uh, I got into engineering by... Um, doing really good in algebra. And I remember my teacher telling me, you know, you should consider becoming an engineer. And at the time, I actually debated between doing film school or engineering. And after talking to several people in high school, I went the engineering path. I got a full-ride scholarship to Arizona State University. And that's where I studied mechanical engineering. And throughout the time in my freshman year, I decided to join Maya, Latinos in Science Engineering, um, I decided to join this because my parents, um, they didn't go to college, they didn't finish high school. My dad works construction. My mom's a homemaker. And my siblings still have an older sister. She, she only graduated high school and had a family. She has three beautiful kids, which I love. I'm actually one of their godparents. And I, and I have two younger siblings, too. And, and one of them is still in high school. I'm trying to get her to get going to college. But with that, I joined Maya's to really affiliate myself with where I was coming from, first generation, Latino, engineering. And I joined as a member, and throughout my college career, I was able to become an officer on the local chapter level, then on the national level, and I was able to represent that mission of empowering Latinos in the community. And throughout, throughout college, I also had uh, some internship experiences and also some research and also joined a lot of student organizations such as the Society of Automotive Engineers. And with that, I was able to graduate in 2017 with my bachelor's and I joined Raytheon and I've been there for about two years. I moved from my 22 years in Arizona to California and now I'm working on 
uh, GPS hardware as a mechanical engineer. That's awesome. I'm also involved right now as a ship vice president in the ship South Bay professional chapter. And look, we can call it quits right there, Juan. That's it. Show's over. No, you have. <laughs> but look, and, and and just right there is proof enough of why, like, you know, you're. I think you're a good choice for people to hear your story. And and that is a great elevator pitch to kind of throw out there what all you have. But we're going to spend some time kind of picking through some of that and, 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 and getting through some of that. So, like, you mentioned your parents, right? Your dad was working construction. Uh, what was his role? Like, what was he? Was he uh, like foreman, a worker, a laborer? What was he? What, what kind of? What was his role? Yeah, um, he he's a he was a laborer. Uh, my dad does not think English, and um, he 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 is a workaholic. Uh, my work ethic is based off him, Good. but he is a laborer and he still works out right now in Phoenix. Okay, and you said your mom was she was a, a homemaker. Yeah, my uh, so my dad. One of his traits is also very caring, and his philosophy was that my mom could uh, stay home, you know, help 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 raise us while yeah. my dad, you know, put in the time, put in the put in the work to, so, to uh, you know, allow us to give us the opportunity. Sure. So when it came to like you know doing school and and get you know and being involved with you know, school and getting good grades. Did your, what did your parents push any of that on you or what was, what was that interaction like? Yeah. And th- that's an interesting point because, um, my, my parents will, they never forced getting good grades or anything. I just had, it, it came easy to me. It came easy putting numbers together, you know, doing that homework that same night and not going out to the mall. That was something that came natural to me, and, and seeing how they worked, I, I felt like I, I owed it to them to be able to get those top grades, et cetera. Yeah. What they did do is they did motivate me and supported me all the time. They always said, echale ganas, and um, they really were proud of me for anything. If I got a B or an A, they were proud of me that I tried my 100%, and I think that's really important that their expectations weren't weren't top, and if I if I didn't get that goal, or that grade or that project that they wouldn't turn down on me, yeah. but instead they would encourage me throughout the entire time. And I feel that really helped me um, even push farther that uh, that motivation was very natural and very positive throughout my middle school and high school experiences. But I think you said something there that I think is pretty powerful and is key. And, and of course I'm hooking on it because that's the exact same thing that I tell my kids now, right? Is as you said in there, hey, if if you as long as you're trying, or if you're trying, right, that you, they were they were proud of you if if you were giving the effort, which I think is 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 key. Now, in when you were explaining your, you, you know, you you had a you had a natural like you know you like math, right? I think you kind of mentioned that, and you mentioned uh, this teacher. Can you uh, tell me more about that? Yeah, this was uh, my sophomore year in high school. And it was algebra class, and the teacher was Miss Williams, and she was a chemical engineer before, and she decided to move from industry to become a teacher and help out the community and help influence, you know, help out the, the, the younger ones learn. And she was a great teacher. She was always very supportive. And I remember that when I would talk to her after class, She's the one that brought up the conversation. Like, Juan, have you ever considered engineering? And I said, 
no, I, I'm not familiar with what that is. And she told me her background, what she did as a chemical engineer. She told me that if I had any family, and to my response, I said no. And she told me, based off my grades, the way I was doing on homework, that my uh, analysis portion of, of me as a student, that she thought I would be a good fit for that field. And from there, I, I took that consideration. I talked to people about it. I started looking what engineering was and researching what it entailed. Mm -hmm. And from there, I, I, uh, I felt more confident being able to pursue that field. And with that support, that spark was really what initiated get me getting to that field. Okay. And look, and I was hooking on that, and I'll tell you where it, what's in the back of my head. So the last couple of people that have been on the podcast, so two, uh, two or three episodes ago, I had a young lady, Carolyn Ramirez, who is currently pursuing her PhD at Northwestern. And she also gave accredited a high school teacher for like seeing something in her and and having that conversation with her about, hey, you should pursue, uh, you know, engineering. And she's eventually picked a PhD on the other extreme. So last night, as a matter of fact, I finished talking to uh, Burton Vite. You know who that is? Do you remember Burton? Is he is he in SoCal? Yeah, he, no, he was uh, he was a Long Beach grad, but anywho, so he was another oh. Ma he was another Mayas. I wasn't sure if you knew him or not. So he was another Mayas uh, Mayas guy, and so he had the opposite uh, an opposite experience where he was early, you know, in, in high school or whatever, and he was you know middle of the road as he explained it. And when he started talking about like he started getting this interest in engineering and started talking to a counselor. Like he literally, and this wasn't that long ago. I mean, he's a young dude. Like he's only been a professional for, I guess, six, seven years. So, you know, you can, I mean, this isn't in, in this day and age, he, that counselor was still telling him like, oh, are you sure about that? I don't know that you're good for it. So here you are telling me, hey, contributing uh, the success to another educator. Did you ever have a bad experience with an educator? That's a good question. Um, I, uh, I can't think of anything. Just yeah. uh, I'll say that for whenever I got constructive criticism or feedback, yeah. I never took it really to heart. And anything, it just motivated me to to see what the imperfections were yeah. and how I could allow myself to get better at my craft. Yeah, and but look, no, I at the top of my head, I can't recall. No, that's fine. And the reason I was just asking, it's kind of like I think it's important to share these stories for someone's like might right now be dealing with a good or a bad educator. Either way, right? It's kind of like you might not know it, right? Or someone is trying to either pour into you as a teacher to say, "Hey, get motivated," or vice versa, they might be getting in your way. Like, what does that sound like? What does that look like? But I like what you said about feedback. Like, if you get some you know, constructive feedback that you kind of take it with a grain of salt sometimes. And if anything, let it uh, motivate you uh, to do better. So somewhere in there, you mentioned and you threw in there that you thought you were going to do film school. Can you elaborate on that, your interest in film and, 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 and where that was coming from? Yeah. And to, to this day, I always think about it too. What if I, what if I did go to film school? Well, what the, what would that have looked like? Would I be in Los Angeles still? Would I be in Arizona? And it's something that it's crazy to think about because I, I was seriously considering it back in high school. I always had the act for photography and videos. And I remember when I would do uh, videos for the school, mm -hmm. they would put it on the news. And everyone 
the, the, the school had about a thousand students. They would see it. They, they really enjoyed it. And they would always give me compliments in the hallway, like great videos, very powerful. And, and they really liked it a lot. I also had my YouTube channel where I got um, views on my videos in the thousands. And it, it, was, it was something that I really enjoyed. It came really intuitive to me, just being able to come up with the script and, and film. But when I talked to uh, mentors about the engineering and film school, and more so the security of the job, et cetera, all the benefits. That's where I leaned towards engineering. But I still maintained my photography, my video, and that's actually what um, got me into minds as well, that that skill. And I still do it to this day. I, I keep it more as a hobby. Yeah. And I still support the ship professional chapter with being the photographer on hand, being able to make videos. And in fact, I actually made a video for South Bay that got uh, posted on the ship national website. And that's something that you could check out as well. Oh, really? You're gonna have to you'll have to share that with me so I could link it into into the show notes so we could see it. So you mentioned it. We might as well talk about it now. So you did this like media internship with the Mayas. Why don't you talk about what that was about and the experience there? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> uh, it's funny because I actually met one of my best friends, Travis, in uh, in Mayas through that effort. Um, when I was a regional rep, there was a need for Mayas National to um, grow with social media. And Travis Mendoza, he's in law school right now. And we were both on the board and we both had the act for photography, for videos. And when the act was put up by the national board that they needed someone to hop out with the social media, we, we couldn't, we knew, that, we knew right then and there that it was gonna be the duo of us helping out. And the next year it meant that we were supporting conferences, whether it was the My Leadership Academy or the My Symposium. We were the main photographers and and cinematographers to capture the video. I remember when we used to create advertisements for My National and capture the events to promote attendance, to promote engagement. And that consisted of us coordinating together. We we had a budget for getting the camera camera equipment and being able to work alongside my national to help the strategy and improve engagement. And this was something that was created as well. There was that need and we both interned. It was a very different experience from engineering, yeah. but it allowed us to promote still the higher level mission and give, give time to that to increase our, our hobby skills too. And look, and I remember you and Travis, like the two, the duo that just had, you guys had these backpacks, these cameras, and y'all were everywhere. And I remember, I think this is one of my earliest memories of you. I was thinking like, are these like, are they engineers or did we go and pick some, you know, some, some, uh, you know, some art majors or something like that? Cause it was, you guys, <laughs> y'all didn't just like half do it. Like y'all were on it, like multiple cameras, multiple angles. Like it, it was a very, a legitimate uh, operation for sure. Right. And some of the stuff, I remember some of the stuff that y'all produced was really good. So let me ask you this, like, so you have this artistic knack, like you, and, and, and I, a hobby that I've had too, and that when I was in high school and even now is, is photography also, right? So I know that when you're doing photography, right, you're always thinking about composition and, and you, you, you get an, a knack for how things are supposed to look good to tell a story through an image. And then that translates into, into video. Have you ever used this skill uh, as a professional? Yeah, um, 
are you are you mentioning are you asking with respect to engineering like at my work yeah like work so you have this skill in your back pocket i guess have you maybe it's not have you used it directly but have you found any benefit in, in having that artistic bone in your body when it came to doing your job as an engineer yeah i definitely hands down i'll i'll tie that down to my presenting skills yes. at work um so i deal i deal with uh technical data, I deal with CAD models, that is my line of work. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to being able to communicate that in a, let's say, PowerPoint presentation or a write-up, um, I've gotten a lot of feedback that my presentation skills when it comes to crafting charts, making slides, presenting that material as well, it, it, I tie that down to my artistic background because I, I feel like there's a different way of seeing things and making it clear for the audience, for our customer, for anyone that's in the room and being able to break it down to more of a simple fashion and make it straightforward, more of an infographic type of way, it makes it much more clear. And the message from very complex systems is communicated very brief and concise that at the end of the meeting, there's the aha moments and there's a lot of clarity that comes from the audience. So I'll definitely tie that down to my artistic side, being able to see it in a different way where I'm able to simplify, make it more clear and concise for the audience. And look, and that was, and that's what I was, I was hoping you would say, and I figured you would, because it's, a, <laughs> it, it's, it's the, it's the same for me. Right. So there was like, I'll tell you, like in my last role that I had, I was the, the, the what they called the digital manufacturing lead amongst other like one of the tasks that I had was digital manufacturing lead for the plant that I was working at and what that role was about or that task was about using like technology cell phones and iPads to and integrate them into the everyday process that operators did to run the unit and so in order for me to like show an operator how to like get their phone and how to you know, register it with the company, you know, IT so that all the security protocols were in and then how to use these combination lockers that we got. And there was like a whole bunch of like onboarding that had to be done. And yeah, I did a ton of pictures. I did like videos and I did, uh, instead of just writing a procedure, a long word, and, and especially for engineers, like you see them, they just write a bunch of text and it's like, man, where's the graphic? Where's the picture? Where's the video? And even now in this role, so like when I got into this role, uh, the first thing I noticed right out of the gate, right? So like I, I, and we were talking about this earlier before we started recording, like how this is now a business role and it's a completely different role uh, that I've never done before. And the first thing I realized that the instructions and some of the procedures on how to do some repetitive tasks in my job, like they were old and outdated. And I said, man, if I, I so I rewrote these and, and like now I'll have a, a lot of the, the workflow that I do is is like running these reports and putting together spreadsheets for like external reporting and they're pretty complex. And so like I wrote some instructions on print, but then realizing that people learn different, like I recorded myself doing an instructional video with instructions on how to run it. And I'm thinking about the next person, you know, guy or girl that's going to fill this role and thinking like, hey, I want them to be in a way better position than I am. And, and yeah, so like you, I get the same feedback, like, wow, this is very innovative. This is uh, clearly you're thinking about different styles of communication. 
And, and, and like you said, it's completely attributed to to uh, to that artistic bone, right? Which is uh, which is which is cool to have. I guess I would say I I, I would encourage people uh, that uh, that are doing engineering that if you have some knack for or or, or you have this desire to do something artistic, like chase it because it's gonna it's gonna benefit you, right? Yeah, and I agree. And uh, sometimes you know, in college, once I decided to not do film school, I sometimes I felt like, you know, how, how is this skill going to benefit me? Do I, am I like retain it? Do I just stop practicing it? But the more I realized that, um, the more I got picked on my presentation skills, et cetera, that I, I lined those, those, how, how it was helping me indirectly. So I definitely agree with you on that one, man. Cool. So, so look, you ended up getting into uh, Raytheon. Can you let's let's talk about that experience? How does one get a job with Raytheon? What was your experience like? Yeah. So, uh, I definitely think uh, I, when it comes to you know getting the next goal in your life, I definitely think it comes to two factors: preparation and opportunity. I was very proactive in school once. Uh, it was during a year. I, I was always looking at my resume. How, how do I build the experiences? How do I get that skill set? And when I graduated college, I had uh, my resume with, with uh, three internship experience, two researches. I was involved with Mayas. I was also involved with SE as a technical lead. And I'll say that I did have a lot of experience. It's not needed because I've been able to recruit people into Raytheon with zero experience, but with the right soft skills. But what it did get me that second half to the opportunity. And this is where networking is really important. With Mayas, I was on the national board and one of the board members was a manager at Raytheon. So being able to give my resume to that my network and she knew me because I established my skill set, my work ethic through working in Mayas. Yeah. And she was able to forward me to um, one of the other managers for mechanical. She was electrical. And that's what aligned it with the, with the interview. And from there, it was 45 minutes of using my elevator speech, using the star method, and they all worked out. And after one single interview, I was able to get an offer within the coming weeks. So I definitely think it comes down to preparation and opportunity, making the most of your skill set. If it goes beyond academics, um, taking that leadership position, being an officer in lines or ship, and definitely honing on your technical skills beyond the classroom. So if there's an SAE club, I, I, I did that. There's also research experiences and always maintaining your network. You never know where your friend that, you know, you've established your work ethics, your, that you can trust on where they work at and they might get you where to the next step where they're working at. So I think that's very important, just preparation and opportunity. So, so let's, let's, I'm going to get a little granular here and kind of, and see, see, see if I make any sense. And if I'm not making sense, just say, Manny, what are you trying to get at? But so, so you talked about work, you know, getting to know this network, you got on the board of directors, you met, uh, you met uh, this uh, person that worked at Raytheon. I think I know who you're talking about. Awesome woman. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, she, she, she's amazing, great mentor. Anywho, uh, uh, right, so you got, so, so, and then you got in a position where, you, you know, you were able to, you know, get your resume going and get an interview and get that help. Now, was that a fast process? 
Yeah, that was a very fast process. It was? Oh, I mean, for, for the interview and stuff? No, no, no. I'm talking about the whole building the network, getting to know this person, getting to, you know, be able to talk to oh. him. I'm trying to get to the, you built a relationship there. Did this happen overnight or did it take time? I agree. So um, looking at the big picture, no, it, it took a lot of times. Um, I didn't think the person who referred me would do that. It was an honest relationship. I, she, she had something for me. I would work with her. And it was always my personality. I never took it to that. I never thought I would be working at Raytheon, but the yeah. opportunity lined up. But that is that relationship took about a year. There you go. And <laughs> uh, stepping stones to even get on the national board. To get on the national board, I had to run for it um, for, as a regional rep too. And I had to establish the relationships with people um, that voted for me too. So it's all stepping stones. And I definitely think having the right attitude, being open-minded, and always doing your best will carry on and help you throughout the way. Yeah, and what I was trying to see, sometimes I said, sometimes I, I don't know exactly how to ask what I'm trying to get through, but it was that. It was you, you had to build a relationship, and it took time. You even said it took like a year, and then, heck, if you even think about how long it took you to get to where you were running for office and all that, like, I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's a long, drawn-out experience. And the reason I'm pointing that out, and look, and I had a similar experience myself, like, I share that for me, getting to into ExxonMobil was like a three and a half year ordeal. Now, granted, in that three and a half years, I was also working with Lockheed Martin and A-Tech and other companies, right? Procter and Gamble, uh, and I was working this network. And yes, ultimately, I landed with ExxonMobil, but it took me getting to know my mentor, uh, John Flores, at the at the time, and, and who's now a good friend. And every time it was like I saw him every year and we were working Maya stuff and we were working, you know, uh, that that sort of thing. But throughout the whole time, he's helping me and and, and get me prepared to where I mean, I ended up having an interview uh, three times with ExxonMobil, got told twice, you know, got no got told no twice, excuse me. And then on that third time, finally got in. So it's this it's it, it's it's this long game. And I think people. Uh, can sometimes see and look and as I was doing that I was seeing some friends uh, of ours that I'll say right because we share some of these acquaintances that were like slinging these internships left and right like you know overnight right so you might see that people might see that but that's not necessarily the way it's going to be uh every time right and I think you uh, would you agree that building that relationship was also uh, pretty enriching yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And just you, you never know what will happen in the future and being open-minded, connecting with people, seeing what, what they do and seeing it aligns with your aspirations too. But I definitely think think it doesn't happen in a week, months. It takes, it takes time. For sure. So let look, let's start uh, figuring out what you do, man. So we know that you work at Raytheon. Uh, you've been there a couple of years. Can you let it, and look, I know it's top secret sometimes, so don't, you know, no, uh, but let us give, give, <laughs> give us an idea of, uh, of, uh, you're a mechanical engineer. So give us an idea of, of what you do and what this role is kind of like. Yeah. So, uh, I've been in my role for uh, almost two years and, um, throughout my internship and experiences, I always wanted to do aerospace and never got the opportunity. And. Um, when I graduated, I did have five offers, and I chose Raytheon. I thought it was the best fit location-wise and industry-wise. Wait, did you say five and offers? Since I've been, 
Yeah, I had five offers. Way to go, man. Anyways, sorry, keep going. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, Raytheon, I want to enter the aerospace industry. And what I do there is uh, I've always worked GPS products. So GPS products that goes into aircraft, uh, mainly fighter jets, such as F-18, F-35, also some helicopters that we support, and working on their more so avionics business. And what a mechanical engineer does is um, they, we do the hardware design. We do the hardware design. We work on CAD models, drawings. We work with the analysts, whether it's thermal structural, to ensure that they'll meet the requirements from the customer, whether that's any vibration, structural, um, all the requirements we interface with the customer. And I've been doing that for two years. I've had the opportunity to work uh, sustainment and hardware development once I first joined. And that was very interesting. And I did that for a year and a half. Um, really learned the technical product, really learned um, the, the design intent and being able to understand the platform. Now I'm doing more of research and development. I work on what they call the IRAD, which is internal research and development. And to me, that I find that really enjoying because it's more conceptual. It's more prototyping, quick turnaround, and really laying the land for products that are, are going to come in the next 10, 20 years. And that has been my role for the last two years. And I really enjoyed it. And I, uh, I still have a lot to learn because Raytheon is a huge company. We're, we will be merging with uh, UTC by the second half of this year. So our company is just going to get bigger. And I definitely have enjoyed the role that I've been doing with uh, GPS. Hey, so it sounds like it's a pretty technical role. And, and one question that, that folks are always interested, especially like students are interested in knowing is saying, hey, so you went to school, you got this mechanical engineering degree. Are you even using it at your job? Like, do you yeah, have, like, yeah. do you have to use, you know, mechanics of solids and thermo and, or, or concepts to, 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 to do what you do? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I definitely think, uh, what I, what I studied in my bachelor's for the first three years, it's let's say differential equations, calculus. Those are the fundamentals that help us understand how the product goes. I'll say towards the last year when I was learning more uh, CAD, computer-aided design, that is 100% tied to what I do in my role now since I mainly work with as a design engineer working in Creo. That's our uh, CAD tool. I know there's SOLIDWORKS, et cetera, CATIA, NX. And another, uh, pro, uh, more so uh, this are my senior design, I think that's really relevant because that helps you understand the life cycle of a project project from development all the way to production and prototyping. And that's very relevant, being able to come with the cost, the budget, knowing how to design design a product in a CAD tool, knowing the proper dimensions, tolerances, looking at the analysis. Uh, back then I used ANSYS, GI rates on they use a different tool. And finally testing the product, and that's something that I've done at Raytheon too, different methods of testing by analysis or test. So high level, uh, the fundamentals of mechanical engineering. Um, sometimes I will have to uh, break down a problem in the whiteboard, and that ties back to thermal, what I, used, what I learned in thermal for the basic equations. Everything else, more so calculus, that's the fundamentals. But mm -hmm. I will say that uh, senior year, the more projects like CAD, learning GD&T, 
And definitely senior design is more relevant to my role I, I do at Raytheon today. Gotcha, gotcha. That's uh, that's cool. And I, and I asked that one because it is. And I, and again, it depends on the role. And it sounds, you know, sometimes you'll get a pretty technical role. Sometimes you might get something that's more sales. So it, there is a, there is a variety, right? So I like to ask different people whether or not they actually uh, use their their degree. So you you, you know you you've mentioned a couple times that it's that it's a a technical role. What about the technical path is 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 attracting you right now versus say you know there can always be supervision or there can always be like customer support. Like what, and you're in design and it sounds like you're really into the technical, why that versus something else at this point? Yeah, I, uh, I really enjoy design. So, uh, and this is something that I've learned through my internships. My internships, I always was a design engineer and I always made sure to talk to people that weren't in design. So I made sure that this was the right role for me. I would talk to people that were in testing, manufacturing, uh, we're analysts as well. And I realized design is the best fit for me because it comes with that creativity. I know we talked about photography, so there's that creativity aspect. How, how do we design a system that works and how, how do we go designing it? That's something that I really enjoy. And being able to be at the front end of a product lifecycle. So it's pretty familiar. There's a preliminary design, there's the critical design, there's a fabrication, and then there's the uh, production and then testing, and then there's the sustainment. I like being at the front end, being able to know the requirements and design a product towards that. That's what I really picked up upon throughout my internships. And right now, my role that I have at Raytheon, it really engages with that. And I do enjoy it a lot. I'm always very um, eager to to learn and, and do my role the best I can. So... When it comes to design, I found the niche for that throughout my experiences, mm-hmm. and I've been able to talk to other people that are outside to uh, see what their what their day in life looks like and what they do. And through everything, just summarizing, I, I really uh, found the my my best fit to be in design. Okay, so look, and you and again, just to re- reiterate, you've been a, a professional now for a couple of years, right? What would you say has been like a a a uh, the biggest adjustment for you, like going from school to now being a professional uh, engineer? Yeah, I'll definitely say uh, time schedule is the most important one. Uh, back in school, I used to go at, uh, at school from, let's say, 8 a.m. all the way to 11 p.m. sometimes. And that was just me. That, that was my work ethic. I, I needed to be in the library to advance on that homework assignment, do well in the exam. What I learned going to professional is that you have a lot more free time. Um, I Nowadays, I go to work around 6.30 a.m. and I'll leave around 4 to 6, depending on what needs to be done. And I have more flexibility in the evenings and weekends. And I think that was something that I didn't have in college. I was really a perfectionist and I, and I would really put my time towards every assignment, making sure I was a week ahead or, or two weeks ahead sometimes. So I will definitely say the time management is different. Another thing too is more so uh, I'm more aware of networking, the importance of that. So back in school, you know, I would, I would spend a certain time in networking and um, I would block sometimes for just myself doing work. But um, at my role right now, it's a lot more team-based. So I'm always collaborating with people, making sure the commu- aligned communication is open. 
And with that, the networking organically happens at every single moment throughout my day. And I'm more wary of that. And I know that it's more team uh, focused rather than individual contributor focused. So with that, uh, I'm more open towards that. So I would say those two dynamics are the ones that have changed the most from school all the way to being a professional. Okay. And so look, and so looking back, you've been there two, for two years and, 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 yeah. and in hindsight, right, I'm sure you've learned something like if you could do something different, say in the first, you know, six to nine months, if you could go back in time for the first six to nine months, is there anything that you would have done different versus what you did? Yeah, I, uh, I would definitely, uh, not have stayed up too late. Sometimes I would, uh, carry on my college behavior and stay to work till 10 or 11 PM. And I will say that it, 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 it didn't need it to be that way. Yeah. Rather, you know, stick to my normal hours and commit to two things that I knew that would push time off. So, um, definitely displaying that behavior a little bit better just because I, I do think that to my management, to my programs, it really came out strong that I, I was staying that late. And just because I was so accustomed to doing it in, in, in college, I would communicate that late. And for now, I, I understand more of the business hours and being able to revolve around that. So I, I would say that that's something I would have changed so, my first few months sure. at Raytheon. So let's go back, right? So let, let, let's, let, I want to explore that a little bit because I did the exact same thing. So I'm curious to know why you did it. So, and that's really what I wanted to ask you. So you're sitting there, you're working on an item, you know, Pete, you know, the, 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 the afternoon's going by people around you are leaving. Like, why did you stay? I stayed because I, uh, really my career right now, that's my main priority. And, you know, in my evenings, you know, if I needed to make a phone call or if I needed to do an errand, I could wait, I could wait for a weekend. That was my mentality. And yeah. my job was priority one. And I would, I would stay to advance to get the next step. But then I realized that the work-life balance wasn't really there. Okay. And being able to set certain times, set a more routine schedule that's earlier during the day, uh, not being able to really burn myself out to, that's something that was recommended by a lot of people at Raytheon. So shifting my schedule, that was really important. And at the same time, being able to have that work-life balance. Yeah, and so I think that's something that I realized and picked up. Yeah, and you said, hey, it worked. I, I think you were hinting at it. You said it worked out good. I think you said, like, people or your management saw it. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so uh, now it's shifted a lot more. So, like I said, I get in around 6.30, and I'll leave generally around 4 or 5. If needed, I'll, leave, I'll stay till 7 or 8. It's, it's really a uh, – uh, they come in surges. Yeah. But I definitely think uh, everyone that I work in my programs, that I work in my um, – section that uh, they're more receptive to it because they understand that I'm not really burning myself out that I'm not going against my time that I, that I, that I have available. Instead I do it during working hours. I'm more efficient too. And there you go. Being able to come into that. And look, and, and I was, and, and, and you, and again, like I, I kind of shared, I was like, I did the exact same thing. So I remember when I first started with ExxonMobil, like, and, and like you also attributed to your, to your dad, your work ethic, I had always worked. And so I came in like, that's what you do. 
Like you get a job and you work and you grind it out. And I had never had a job before that didn't give me the opportunity for overtime. I always had hourly work or whatever. And so there, and, and at those jobs, there was always, and even in professionally, there was always work to be done. You're never going to finish. So all I would do is work. And so I took those habits. I know you said you were letting some of those school habits, but I'm, I think uh, you meant more like the habits of being a perfectionist and, and, and staying up and, and hitting it real hard and trying to get ahead. And for me, it was like, well, that's all I know. Like my dad always said, you know, let your work speak for itself. And, and I did like my first couple of years, like I was working ridiculous hours and I, it worked for me. It benefited me. Like I was, my, my productivity was super high, but it did come at a cost. And then I, I love what you said about, look, you were more, uh, more, I think you said, I don't know if you said efficient, but that's what I was hearing. Like you're more productive. Uh, and for me, it was just once I started to get like a handle on it and I was, you know, and I would talk it out with Alyssa and with other mentors about what am I doing? But man, there was times when I was stuck on a problem and I was hell bent that I was going to figure it out and the world was going to end if I didn't do it tonight. And guess what? I, I, I would be, I would be forced to leave because it was super late and I was just tired. And then I would like jump in the shower the next morning and be thinking about it. And all of a sudden the answer would come to me. Like the, the power of, of, of having like walking away and just thinking with a fresh head is, uh, is incredible. So Anywho, and, and, and you, you, you mentioned something about, hey, the work-life balance has to, to, to be there as well. And uh, I love how that, that, that's what came to mind when I said, what would you do, do different is to think about those things uh, more ahead of time. And you're right, because there is such a thing as the, and I think you called it the business hours. So, so that, that's, pretty, that's pretty interesting that you kind of had the, uh, the same experience. So let me ask you a, a, another question, kind of along the same lines about what you've learned, right? So you, you, you're doing this technical role. I'm sure you're having to work with maybe some advanced engineers, senior engineers, engineer level twos, or something like that. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's have, correct. Have you had or have you experienced any difficulties, maybe not now, but initially in, in trying to communicate and work with someone that was more senior than you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was actually uh, something that I learned as well. I uh, when I first got pulled in, I was working with a senior principal engineer. So for engineering, for engineers, there's six grades, grade levels, mm -hmm. and I I came in as the first one, and I was working with someone that was already the sixth level. So he has about thirty years of experience. Oh, dang. Okay. The challenges there were that um, he definitely wasn't raking on longer. And he had a lot more intuition that I had it have. So there were some technical gaps when it came to communication, when it came to understanding. One thing that really helped out was um, not being afraid to ask questions. And there aren't any dumb questions as well. He, he was always helpful in answering my questions to the best of his ability, making sure I was clear. And for sure, not not a not not trying to come up with an impression that oh okay it's day one so i gotta know everything and i gotta know everything before i talk to him sometimes coming in and asking a straightforward question why is that is very important because 
you save time, first of all, and the second thing is um, you, you get more opportunities to communicate. Granted, I always uh, try my best to ask why that was, mm-hmm. give my, 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 my thought process, but then he would clear up and everything. So that patience was very good. And definitely the challenge was uh, um, understanding that it's okay to ask those questions and feeling comfortable too, because you'll be working as a team and at the end of the day, you want to make sure that the product works and you, and the resolution to that is definitely day-to-day communication, making sure everyone's aligned on the clear path and um, being effective with that. Have you ever seen any of like any peers, like young engineers that have struggled managing that relationship? Have you ever experienced that? Yeah. Um, I actually do have a, an intern that I uh, was working with me uh-huh. over the summer. And I, I saw it from the other side that sometimes, you know, he, he would be very grateful for my time that he got talking to me and he thought that I was more so precious time. Uh-huh. But I communicated, uh, I'd rather have him, you know, talk to me every, every day, every, every minute, every minute of the hour to make sure that he was clear that way I, I was successful through his success as well. And he was successful through every, everything. And, and instead of um, being stuck, rather a five minute conversation or a quick question could resolve that and he could move forward to the next goal, to the next goal. So I, I definitely saw that in him, but again, just being comfortable with each other and talking that and establishing that line of communication really helped out. And it, and it moved our, our uh, goals and tasks, objectives, much faster and they were effective. Hey, look, and, and, I've, and I've talked to some young professionals and, and, and some of them will have a hard time like either asking questions or, or, or even saying, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts as to why someone might struggle with that? Yeah, I definitely think it's just uh, the te- uh, the technical gaps. Like, for example, when I first joined Raytheon, uh, I didn't know anything about GPS. I never studied it besides knowing that that's what Google Maps and Uber works on. But when I came in, I really learned a lot from uh, trying my best reading books by myself or just about the technology itself, yeah. uh, making sure our, besides, you know, this CAD model, I was going in the lab and looking at the hardware and seeing the other cycle, being able to talk to other people. I definitely think uh, the more interaction there is with the hardware and the engineers behind it, looking more so the technology, that really helps out understand and putting all the pieces together. Yeah, so it sounds like, hey, some of that insecurity might just come from the technical gap, right? So, you know, someone should think about how can they bridge that gap initially on their own by, you know, doing a little homework, you know, doing a little research, talking to some other people in the group, and then maybe at that point gain the confidence to formulate the questions as they approach more senior people. Because I think that's what it is. Like sometimes people have like an insecurity of coming off looking dumb. And and it's easy to say like, no, don't worry about that. But the truth is like, okay, so that it's a real feeling. And I think the best way, and I'm with you, right? I think the best way to like shake some of that insecurity is to is to be a little bit more a little bit more prepared, right? Uh, to show that I'm not. Yeah, I'm I not agree. Com- I'm not completely lost, but I need your help. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, mentors, technical mentors, help out a lot. Um, that same person that I was talking in the beginning, that he has 30 years, 
I, he is my technical mentor now, and I established uh, my work ethic, uh, being able to complete projects on time, et cetera, uh, the detail-orientated, making sure it was reliable, accountable for. And with that, uh, it, it showed my, my work ethic, and um, it created a, a space of respect. Mm-hmm. So with that, I'm able to come to him whenever I ask him questions. I feel comfortable with him, and he'll help me out. I don't work with him directly anymore, but he'll help me out on solutions, uh, whether it's processes driven, whether it's product driven. And that helps me with my current role still. So that, that also helps getting a technical mentor, establishing that relationship Yeah, really helps out, um, make you feel comfortable that you belong in this role, that you, you're doing the best and you have the best resources available. But I think it's, it's, it goes back to what you said. It's still networking. Right, that happens every day. It's still relationship building, and this person you don't work with directly, but he's still like in your back pocket as a as a resource. Correct? Yeah, yeah. correct. Okay. So look, so uh, I, I, we'll we'll go to the next page and and say, uh, I guess I'll ask it simply. So what's next on the agenda for you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what's next is I'll be pursuing my aerospace masters at UCLA. All right. Um, I. Did want to take some time to, uh, you know, really go into industry, see what I wanted because it was between three majors. It was between aerospace, systems, and mechanical. And down the road, I want to become a systems engineer, which means more higher level, understanding the bigger assembly. And that is my next role, just getting the bigger picture. And I think getting a master's in that. I, I talked to a lot of technical mentors at work and program mentors as well. And that's what they recommended. So I know it's, it'll be a challenging degree. And this is where my work life balance. Now that I've established that, I'll be putting some side for my master's degree. And then from there, um, I hope to just take any opportunity that Raytheon has. I definitely want to get into a rotational program and I definitely want to get into the technical leadership. So, so um, we have certain roles called IPTLs, integrated product team leaders, as well as chief engineers. And that's the route I see myself uh, running, running, a program, being able to assist with that and understanding the product from the bottom up and working towards the schedule and budget. So are you doing this while you're working or are you going to take like a leave and, and do um, the master's full-time? What's that going to be like? Yeah, I definitely, uh, I love work and they do have opportunities. Breaking has uh, opportunities where you can apply for a fellowship program and you work part-time and you go to school um, full-time or you could do vice versa where you're going to work full-time and you, you go school part-time. What I'm leaning towards is working still full-time and doing school part-time. So my program will be about two or three years okay. and I'll, uh, that'll be the balance and I'll be taking, uh, breaking on uh, educational assistance program okay. and I'll pay, pay for it as well. I was just about to ask you, I was like, how do I ask this? Screw it. Just ask it. Are they going to help you pay for it? Yes. It sounds like that's part of the benefit, right? Yeah. I, uh, definitely, if you're working engineering company, um, usually they'll have a program they'll help assist that. They definitely want to help their engineers be better. And right now being a technical company, we really need, need those people doing that, those masters or PhDs. So they definitely help you out. Yeah, no, that, that, and it's true. And I love how you said it. And it, and it's true. I think a lot of uh, major, bigger companies uh, that will support you through a variety of programs, like even for us, like at ExxonMobil, you could do 
a master's and, and do the same thing, like while you're working and, and you do like an evening program or something like that? Or if, if there's people that I know, I've had friends that have taken a leave of absence and they're like, it's still, you're still technically employed. You're just on a leave of absence and you can come back. Right. So there's people that have gone off for a year or two and and pursue something. And, and because, like you said, it benefits the company to kind of get those folks that have higher degrees, especially for someone like you who wants to get go go the technical route. Like on my end, where I'm going supervision, not to say that you won't be a supervisor. I'm sure you're going to I'm going to bet money that you're going to you're going to be challenged one day where you're going to have to make a decision on taking supervision. But we'll talk about that when you get there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but anywho, yeah. like, but like for, for those that are in, in, in management positions or things like that, you can also do MBAs like for us. But uh, to your point, like once you get this degree, once you get within, with the with the company, there's other benefits that you can take advantage. So look, we're coming to the end, but I want to make sure I give you uh, plenty of time to talk about your involvement with uh, SHIP now as a professional. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, when I first joined Los Angeles, um, I only knew people from SHIP and Lions. And I knew that when I was in college, there was a lot of people that helped me out that really took the time of their jobs, that took their time um, a way to really help out the next generation of STEM people. So with that, I, I only thought it was natural to help out. So I became a South Bay LA, SHIP South Bay LA uh, Director of Events Officer. And I did that for a year. So that meant being able to host tours such as Raytheon or Boeing. And we usually have a hundred plus attendants. That's one of the great things about living in Los Angeles. You just have access to so many neighboring colleges and helping out with networking mixers at a local restaurant or brewery for professionals, ship members, or, and we're inclusive, any, anyone else to come in, me, you know, who, who are you, you know, what do you do, engineering, what are, what's your career path, et cetera. And also just helping uh, establish a, a board. We come from different backgrounds. We're in aerospace, we're in chemical, and how, knowing how to have those conversations you necessarily won't have at work, being able to create that comfort of space about, let's say, how do I advance in my career? How, sh how should I have that conversation with my manager? And that's, that's what I do at SHIP. And right now I'm also a vice president. So this is my term for uh, the last six months. And it's been really beneficial. Just first of all, uh, the community outreach, we have about nine plus colleges nearby. So we're able to go in there in person, give workshops about things like resume building, interviewing skills, and also recruiting for my company. I, I've been able to recruit interns and full-times through that ship, those ship connections and coming to their school. And it's been a great opportunity. I've been able to go to uh, conferences as well as, as part of Raytheon to recruit. Uh, I went to NILA and the Ship National Convention in Phoenix to recruit and also on, on behalf of my ship professional chapter. So if anything, it's uh, created an opportunity to give back to the community. It's given an opportunity to network with other ship people outside of uh, my industry and also in colleges. And lastly, it's, it's helped me for personal development with having those conversations where when it comes to career advancement and also building my communication skills. Pretty cool, man. And I suspect does Raytheon support you? Support your involvement in uh, in ship and all this recruiting and stuff? Do you feel pretty supported in that? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, Raytheon has an organization. It's an employee resource group called OLA, Hispanic Organization for Leadership and Advancement. And it's about 10,000 members nationwide, uh, wow. nationally. That's awesome. And one of their goals is to partner with SHIP. So with that, that's how Raytheon has been open, able to hope, open their doors to SHIP college students and professionals and try to recruit them. They're really big in diversity and inclusion. So they see SHIP as a uh, organization that they can pull talent from yeah. and really build that relationship. So they're really supportive about SHIP, the organization, and the mission. Yeah, so many, so many little nuggets and gems that we've talked about here tonight. And I, I hope people, like students that are here, and it's like, hey, when you're lining up with a the company, there's a lot more questions than how big is the check going to be, right? Like, you know, what's the work-life balance? Am I going to be able to find mentors? Are the people that I work with going to, you know, be approachable? You know, am I going to be able to give back to the community? Am I able going to be able to continue to stay connected with SHIP or, or like Maya? You'd be surprised, and you know this, right, from seeing it, so many professionals drop off. And part of that has to do, and I, I for the sake of this discussion, I say 50-50, 50, 50, you know, 50% of it's dedication. But in some cases, it's really like the, the company demands all of your time and might not support you in, in continuing to stay plugged in with those uh, resource groups that you were that you were once attached to. So so and you also talked about benefits of, you know, what are, are, is the company going to be able to support you uh, when you want to go get your master's or, or get a, a different degree or training. So a bunch of great, great nuggets. And it sounds like you've landed in a in a really good place, uh, Juan. And I'm, I'm super uh, thankful, one, that you that you made the time to to tell your story here. I think a lot of people will benefit and and of course i look uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens and and i'm not going to be surprised one day when when we talk and you're having to make a, a, another and a, have a, a good problem to have is about whether or not you, you get out of technical and start leading a bunch of people to to do something awesome because i think you're you're just wired for it and 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 I, i'm looking forward to, to discussing that with you in, in the future for sure so Again, Thank man. you, Manny. I, I appreciate it. I One of my favorite quotes is standing on the shoulders of giants. And I definitely think uh, that's something that I owe to the MICE national team, like yourself, being able to be there for such a grand uh, you know, population of first-generation Latinos and giving them that motivation of, the, of what you can do and really advance oneself to do the best in their career. You know, it's a challenging degree, challenging field, and really helping out others, service above self, and getting back to the community to empower the next generation. And with that, Juan, you 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 nailed it. And and again, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Manny. Appreciate the time. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to add me on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to review your resume, um, give any feedback, or if you're interested in Raytheon, we're more than happy to talk about those opportunities too. Yeah, and look, whatever links you have, I'll make sure and put them as part of the, uh, of the show notes so people have those available and when and when the promo goes out as well. Sound good? Perfect. Thank you, Manny.